The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the power of owned media assets and unique data. Joining us is Shay Howe, who is the CMO of Active Campaign, which is a Cloud 100 industry-leading marketing automation platform with 185,000 customers around the world. They focus on simple but powerful automation functionality for SMBs, like us here at the MarTech Podcast. Yesterday, Shay and I talked about the power of owned media assets, and today we're going to continue the conversation talking about why unique data sets are the competitive advantage for the AI-driven future. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Shay Howe, the CMO of Active Campaign. Shay, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Good to be here. Thanks for having me again. So excited to have you back on the show and excited to continue the conversation. Yesterday, we covered a lot of ground talking about own media, why it's valuable and important to build your own audience, to have something to say, communication methods, and not being reliant on performance marketing or somebody else's audience to grow your business. Unfortunately, just creating a lot of content and getting it out there isn't the only way to understand who is in your audience and continue to market them. It's not just about the content. You have to have analytics and data and MarTech and active campaign to reach out and stay in touch with everyone. Talk to me about what you think are the biggest competitive advantages as we start to look forward to the AI-driven future of marketing. The value of that data set, you cannot overstate. I would capture as much data as logically possible or ethical and that so much of that data plugs into how you start to personalize your customer experiences for the folks you know, as well as understand where to go to find more folks like them. And you can do this in a several different ways where it's not one where you want to get that so tight that you're like, hey, my, my total addressable market is so small, it's not worth it. But the way that you can use it to where you can get incredibly personal in your messaging and the touch you have to those folks. And then you can change those attributes to go into different audiences to do that. So Having a large data set around what folks are doing on your website or where they might be seeing you online, sentiment of activities they're doing in different owned channels, super powerful. I've heard two sayings, both which are a little cliche. Data is money. And I've also heard mo money, mo problems. And I think that you can connect the two of them. And I think it's actually true. 
If you have a small TAM and people are finding you inbound and you can have them fill out a form, this is what we do, right? People come into our speaker application and we get a chance to say, what's your name, company, title, what's your LinkedIn following, all sorts of questions. And we ask 15 questions and now we have a great understanding of who they are. We can enrich their socials and figure out how prominent of a speaker they are, look up what company it is, get all sorts of great data signals and we put it into algorithm and figure out who we want to talk to. You were very easily high on our list, and it was a very clear decision that we should interview. Off time. The flip side of that is when you're at a big company and you're getting lots of data, now you're looking into infrastructure, data science. Like, this is not some guy using some Monday forms and having a freelancer figuring out how big the company is. You, unlike me, have serious data challenges. Not to say that you're not managing them, but more data can create more complexity. Talk to me about that balance of collecting the data and figuring out how to actually make it usable. That's a really good point because some data is just more valuable than other. I wouldn't say all data is created equal. The most valuable data we can get, it's the data that frankly is accurate. So a lot of times with the enriched data, the match rate can vary. The other point of that is, is it timely? When was that data last refreshed? So one of the things we think about is just in the data we get, whether that comes in directly to us, it's enriched or it's from the behavioral sense, can we overlap that? Can we find ways to actually make sure how accurate is this? How relevant or refreshed is this? And that's going to allow us to be able to take the best actions on it. So the next part of the question I want to ask you is about not necessarily the data collection and prioritization. Sure, you want first party data and you want clean and accurate data. But when you have these vast lakes of data and you're getting it from different sources, then you run into data warehouse, CDPs, getting your data into something like an active campaign where you can actually automate communications. At what point do you think about what your MarTech infrastructure looks like? What does the setup look like for you in the marketing of active campaign? One of the, you would hit on the idea of AI earlier. I think that's been a key piece of how this is evolving. With so much of that data, in a horse historical sense, it would be, we didn't think about all the branches, the segmentations, all the different ways we want to kind of build off and scaffold from that data. With AI, we're able to play a little bit further with some of this in that we don't have to make a lot of those decisions ourselves. We're able to use AI to do that. And we do that in a lot of the different tools we're using. So in Active Campaign, we use things like predictive content where we'll write different blocks of content and let AI decide what's going to be the most applicable one for a given user. We use AI to do things more on some of the pathways we might send folks down to. So in the tool set, we're looking at where does AI exist? Where can we take advantage of that? Where does that begin to eliminate some of the complexity we might have around what we would be building by hand for some of that data? So there's a wrestling of tools there that we're kind of continually evolving with. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? 
Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. I feel like most brands, and it sounds like you might be in a similar phase this year, are going through heavy R&D, right? Trying to figure out how to take the data that they have and operationalize it using artificial intelligence. Talk to me a little bit about your experience taking what is a relatively large set of data and using artificial intelligence. Are you in investigation phase? Have you started to operationalize? Is it something you are leaning on? Where do you live when it comes to using artificial intelligence these days? All the above. So there, there's different areas where we're kicking the tires of it. We're experimenting with it, seeing what it could do. There are other areas where we've done that. We've found it to be valuable. We're putting it into practice. I give you a couple of examples of what that looks like and the evolution of that. One has been around just how we do some paid advertising using artificial intelligence to help, excuse me, help us come up with what are the right keywords we want to start to set up and target and what would be just long tail versions or alternatives of that. How do we do some, if we're going to go on an exact match in our bidding structure, what are the keywords we want to do there and using AI to generate a bunch of those. Opposite of that is what are the negative keywords we want to start to omit that potentially don't show high enough intent or are too far off the top of funnel where we don't want to be using those in kind of a paid acquisition side. So we use AI just on a research component piece there, if you will. Alternatively, complete opposite side of where you might have the research ends of it. We've evolved some of our direct attribution in the platform from asking you in a drop down side of, hey, how did you hear about active campaign where you could say, I heard it on a podcast or I heard it through the search engine or word of mouth. It's just an open text box now where it just says, hey, how did you hear about Active Campaign? And you can type in whatever you want. And we'll take all those responses and feed it into AI and say, hey, give us the categories. What actually are people saying here? And it will come back and be like, hey, maybe 5% found you through a podcast. And then you can ask him be like, oh, interesting. Okay, which podcast? And then it'll start to surface, well, someone said it was the MarTech podcast or a different one, right? But leaving that open to let people tell us in their own words exactly how they found us actually allows us to go a little bit deeper with the data, but using AI in a way that someone's not sitting at a desk all day scrolling through all these responses and trying to categorize them by hand and build out the pivot tables of that data, right? We use AI to just go and run with that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Instead of giving people the option to return structured data, you're allowing them to provide unstructured data and then using artificial intelligence to put the structure around it. And you can get multiple levels of depth from that data. That's a really smart use case. Have you used artificial intelligence to create content? And what data are you feeding on that side? We have, albeit with caution. Honestly, that's one of the areas where we've used it to do a lot of research, a lot of maybe drafts. But there's one where, hey, we still got to get it into somewhat our voice and tone. We still want to add something that is more of value that you're just not going to scrape from the internet and try and put together. Like, let's make sure we have our spin into it. But it certainly has enabled us to change the cycle time of content development. 
And then as we're doing that too, we're checking it for accuracy. Like, honestly, is it some things that it's done? We're like, that's just not right. And that is often left field. Or we'll find something that has maybe a bit more of a bias than we want in it. So how do we change that? But we're using it on the content development side, but only in a proofreading or first draft phase. It is not by any means taking over what we're doing on the content development side. I need a different metaphor. I've been going with we're in the sandwich phase for AI. And I was thinking about the Oreo phase where it's like <laughs> human prompts artificial intelligence to do something artificial intelligence does a thing, human goes back and checks whether that is correct. There has to be a better way than the sandwich phase. But at some point here, hopefully the artificial intelligence won't require either as much prompting or as much editing. Maybe it's a good thing we're involved twice and it's only involved once for the future of humanity. <laughs> I guess the last question I have for you, you know, as you start to look towards the future and you think about the value of your data as it applies to artificial intelligence, where do you think we go from here? We've got our data sets. We can use it for research. We can use it for content. You could use it for ad performance. What's up next? I don't know that anyone knows. If you rewind just even, not even a year, right? Nine months ago before I'd say generative AI was taken by mainstream. What has happened in that time frame has completely changed. I don't know that I'm in any place to predict what happens in the next year. I'd say what I get most excited about is the idea of AI to write content or do research is not all that exciting. Super helpful and we'll embrace that. I think where I get excited about it is where can AI fundamentally start to give you more insights, right? When fed data, it can start to do more pattern matching, can help you start to make stronger decisions, if not honestly, make some of those decisions for you, albeit I still want control in that. So with controls, but the way that it can actually fundamentally start to change the insight layer, the decision layer, I think that is going to be where we can really start to accelerate just our efficiency with it. The thing that comes to my mind, what I get the most excited about with artificial intelligence, did you see the movie Iron Man? I'm not, I'm sorry. You haven't seen Iron Man? Come on, man, <laughs> you've got to stop working so hard. Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, develops a artificial intelligence personal assistant, and it's called Jarvis. And he's always sitting there, basically what Alexa and Siri and Hey Google are supposed to be, where you can ask it a question, but it understands the context, right? It is not a prompt. It is actually an agent. And to me, where that is the next iteration, which is the artificial intelligence that you're interacting with has memory and recall of some of the previous content and context. So you could say, I am running active campaign here are my customers. Can you send me an alert when you notice a trend in any of our marketing channels? And it understands what historical performance is and is like, you as the CMO should probably be paying attention to your earned media channels. It looks like that performance isn't what it used to be. That notion of agents that have more context and have some sense of memory seems like it's really powerful. And then maybe it becomes human killing robots and we're moving from Iron Man moving into the Terminator, but hopefully we won't get that far. <laughs> Let's stop it before that happens. We're in agreement there. All right, Shay, well, I appreciate you coming on the show. As I mentioned at the top in yesterday's episode, it's really an honor and a privilege to have you here. We're huge fans of Active Campaign. So thanks for coming on and being my guest. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Shay Howe, the CMO of Active Campaign, for joining us. If you'd like to hear more from Shay, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Shay Howe. That's S-H-A-Y-H-O-W-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is activecampaign.com.
Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the Martech podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.